Well, hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Ken, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss what it means to have a kingdom mindset rather than being polluted by the world, why it's important to have a diversity of thought and experience in the local church, and how we go about seeing the fruit of that in our own life. As always, if you've not yet listened to the message from this past Sunday, go ahead and pause this episode now. Go back and watch that first before continuing on as it's going to help this conversation make much more sense to you. And if you have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, we do hope that you join us at quadcity.church slash podcast where you could submit your questions to be answered right here on the show. Again, we're so grateful that you'd spend this time with us today. We hope that it's helpful to you and let's dive right in. Hey guys, good morning. Buenos dias. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Yeah, Jason's not here, so someone has to say it. Um, you guys got anything to talk about this morning? I think you have something to talk about this morning. Yeah, I did tell you. Them. You definitely have more than I have to talk about. Right, I mean, I got stuff to talk about. But it's not nearly as cool as you. <laughs> yeah. Cool? Yeah, well, that's I don't, how it Yeah, man. Eventful. How about that? Eventful. Eventful. I wouldn't probably categorize my last 10 days as cool. Um, fair enough. Eventful is, is fair, though. Yeah, so I told a bunch of people yesterday morning. So um, I'd been out for the last week or so and uh, popped in for the 8 and 9.30 yesterday. Left right around the time the 11 was starting. I had a bunch of people, super grateful, came up asking how I was doing. And uh, so I told almost all of them, hey, I'm going to share the story on the podcast tomorrow uh, because I didn't want to tell it a million times, just to be honest. You know, it's a lot of words. (laughs) You're just trying to increase the podcast listenership. That is the added benefit. So we may have some people joining us for the first time. And uh, welcome, if that's you today. So glad you're here. Um, But let me, uh, I'll try to quickly share the story, not to monopolize all of our time. But uh, last Thursday, uh, the 25th, I um, woke up early like I would most Thursdays and went out for a run. And I uh, got this nice little five-mile loop that I do around the house. And I was uh, was about a mile and a half into that loop. And if you're a PV person, you'll kind of get what I'm saying here. I was running... uh, you know, on Glassford Hill Road, I was headed south uh, towards the intersection of Santa Fe Loop to cross Glassford Hill at that intersection like I normally would. And then I go do a little loop through like a couple of the Granville Roads and then back home since we live over there. So I, uh, you know, go hit the button at Santa Fe Loop to cross in the crosswalk. I get the light, go ahead and start going across the crosswalk. And uh, then I get hit by a Tahoe. In the middle of the oh crosswalk. Oh my gosh! A Tahoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a Prius. No, it was not a. It was not a small vehicle. Um, so the story, you know, it's there's a tons of details, but uh, I got hit by the car. People stopped. They were great. They jumped out. I um, I mean, I got rocked. Like I got hit pretty okay. pretty hard. So I hit the front of the car twice. Hit the ground about ten feet away from the car. Uh, as soon as I hit the ground, like I never stopped moving. I just, all I knew was like, I needed to get into the median so I didn't get hit by another car. Right. So I rolled over, ran into the median. As soon as like I rolled over on the ground, there was blood all over the place. Like I knew, oh, this is not great. So 
got myself into the median, laid down, and uh, uh, people jumped out of the car at that point, were kind of freaking out, right? And just hit someone with their car. And I was like, uh, uh, hey, I need an ambulance. Call it, go ahead and call 911. That's all I know right now. <laughs> Adrenaline's going. What I, I know enough to know that I don't know how bad it is, uh, but yes. I know I'm bleeding like crazy. So uh, I was wearing a, a hoodie and threw my, my hood up and just like grabbed the top of my head because I knew I was bleeding, tried to stop the bleeding and laid in the intersection until uh, you know PVPD showed up first. They came over, were chatting with me and seeing how things were going. The uh, CAFMA team, the, uh, the Central Arizona Fire and Medical team that uh, does all the PV stuff, came over and they were great. That crew was awesome. Uh, got some paramedics there and ended up uh, <clears throat> going. So native air was down. I heard over the radios as I was laying there. So as the CAFMA team was kind of working on, hey, what, what's going on? What hurts? All that stuff. I was like, everything kind of hurts. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just got a little bit, truck. got a little bit of everything going on. So uh, I heard over their radio, hey, Native Air is down, so we're not flying today because they were originally going to fly me straight down to Phoenix. Um, you know, being a trauma situation, we don't have a trauma center anywhere near us. So they were like, hey, Phoenix or Flagstaff. Luckily, I actually consider this uh, kind of lucky. They were down. That ended up not happening. So they transported me to um, the East Campus, the PV, YRMC. I get there. Uh, and at that point, they were like, hey, should we call anyone? It's like, yeah, Courtney, like my wife is at home. She knew I went out for a run, but for sure she needs to know this happened. Um, so very kind police officer ended up just running over to the house and letting her know, hey, he got, she, he said, he got bumped by a car and has a, or nicked by a car, has a bump on his head. Is what, that's what <laughs> that's they told Courtney. Great adjectives right there. And I was like, that's actually really good because then she was able to, you know, without freaking out, drive herself to the hospital, come see me. But what she walked into in the ER was me still backboarded. So they, you know, all head, neck, and back trauma protocol. They had me on the backboard. They, um, you know, had me neck braced still. I was, you know, totally immobile until they got CT scans back to make sure there was nothing going on with my spine. Uh, so she walked into the room and was like, oh, this is more than a got bumped, bumped by a car and, you know, just getting checked out in the ER. So she got there and... Um, you know, the rest of the story, you know, I ended up getting transported down to uh, Phoenix in an ambulance later on in the day just to uh, spend the night in the hospital down there. And, um, and I'm sure there's a million clarifying questions, but ultimately everything's good. You know, I've got a number of injuries um, that I'll have probably for the night. I'll be recovering for the next three or so months, depending mm. on how PT stuff goes. Um, but, uh, you know, got back home Friday night, I think it was, back up in Prescott, and yeah, just started the recovery process. So, super grateful for everyone that reached out. I know there's tons of people praying, and uh, the recovery's been really good so far, much better than I was expecting. Um, so, yeah, thanks for for everyone who reached out. I'm sure there's a million clarifying questions. So, let me that. pose one. Yeah, dig so, in. So, you mentioned you had a hoodie on. I did. did. you have any reflective gear or a light or anything yeah. to be visible? <laughs> yeah, so I, the hoodie I was wearing is like mildly reflective and then I had a headlamp on, right? One of those big okay. old bright because it was super dark. It was five in the morning when I got hit. So had a headlamp on. Uh, and yeah, just one of those freak things where you know, they didn't see me. Rolled through the intersection and I didn't see them until, I mean, it was like split second before I got hit. I turned and I was in between two headlights. And I was like, that's oh, not a good sign. That's not good. So I don't think I'm getting out of this one. So uh, yeah, it was not great. Mm. 
I'm glad you're, yeah. I'd say, okay, all things considered, you're doing fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, broken um, broken scapula in my right shoulder, so the shoulder hurts a bit. That'll that'll probably be the longest recovery, I assume. Uh, but then, like, a couple of fractures in my pelvis, fractured tailbone, a bunch of staples in my head, you know, just kind of closing that gash that uh, actually was like the, you know. It's where that, all the blood came it's from. It's where all the blood came from. Head, but it didn't head wound bleed a yeah. lot. The yeah. scalp is so oh, vascular. Yeah. It was one of those things where it was like, that was the easiest of all of the injuries. Like, that didn't yeah. hurt at all. Was, yeah. The staples were fine going in. Like, it closed up pretty quick. And Are you still stapled or is that already healed? Yeah, I need to go today probably i just don't want to go back to the er so i'm, I'm procrastinating no, you see if amy can take those out for you yeah maybe she maybe probably she has a pair of pliers. like she a snip them and well like you a need it you need it well so it's been yeah it's between one and two weeks is yeah. what they said so uh I'd yeah i think today amy. or tomorrow yeah there's a special tool because they're they, yeah they creep it looks in like there a, it looks like a staple remover yeah it's just like something in the garage man let's give it a go i got them once in an accident in vegas um <clears throat> yeah it was rough in my hiney i got a nice. pretty good gash <laughs> took about six staples yeah and went to the um the trauma center because they do have one in vegas yeah. obviously big and but it's a college it's attached to like yeah it's a lot of a lot of 20 year olds in in there and so i'm just wide open just no britches on yep. and they had me like bent over like on the table so that they could examine the gash. Oh, it just sounds terrible. And then they left and the the, <laughs> and <you're> curtain, <laughs> the curtain is wide open and I, we were in an accident with my buddy and he was like, man, what are y'all doing? Like, close my guy's curtain down. You just got them all hanging out for the world to see. But I was like... Hey, what happened in Vegas? Stays I, was in like, Vegas. And I was like, I'm not going back to that hospital to get these out. I'll go somewhere else. I'll yeah. go... Like, I called around. I was like, where's like the 80-year-old doctor that's still practicing? That's yeah. who I would like to remove these, please. <laughs> like, please don't put me down there again. It was yeah. like... It was awful. I had a similar situation in the middle of Glassford Hill Road before I got over <laughs> to the hospital because, you know, EMS comes. And this was like, I, you know, I've seen instances where uh, there's a, you know, minor crash or whatever and someone's injured and, you know, EMS gets there and they'll do a full head to toe, you know, hey, what hurts? Right. Like, check everything. Like, just make sure we're not missing anything crazy because adrenaline, again, what I just kept telling myself was like, hey, I've got a, a ton of adrenaline in my system. Nothing hurts too bad yet, yeah, but it's, it's going to oh, quickly. Yeah. And I don't know how bad this is. Like, I just kept telling myself, ah, I just don't know how bad this is yet. So that was, you know, I was a little nervous about that. And I've seen situations that like minor crashes and they'll still go in, do a full head to toe, cut all your clothes off, check everything, do the whole thing. And it's like, oh, was that really necessary? In this instance, I knew it was super necessary. Because like, <laughs> right. I got dude just yeah. get hit by a truck. Uh, so I was laying there in Glassford Hill. I cut all my clothes off, and they were great about grabbing me pants and you know a blanket and all that stuff. But a very similar situation. I was like, yeah. this feels not awesome. Not it's awesome, good man. It's yeah. like yeah. five something in the morning and not three yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. And everybody, everybody, school's yeah. getting out. Right? Yeah. There you Call go. All high school yeah. kids driving by. Could have been worse. Could have yeah. been. Yeah, but it is. It's like a real, a very humbling. Like, yeah. I'll when, bet. When you're in your birthday suit. Yes. Yeah, it is yeah, a very. Yeah. Not like, right. Oh, don't love that. I'm glad I'm okay. But yeah, it was like, yeah, you could. They no decency because they're not. You know, they it's don't. Not, oh yeah, they're just doing, they're doing their they're job. Doing their job, right? But you're just like, ah, oh, don't love, <laughs> don't love this. <laughs> like, is there another option? <laughs> yeah, those staples though, man. They 
You feel them coming out. I know. I, I assume like, I would feel them more coming out than I did uh, going in. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. He's like, every, he's like, you're going to feel it. And I was like, oh, I, he's like, no, I'm like, I know you probably didn't because they probably numbed you. I'm not numbing you to take these out. No, they like, don't. Apparently. Oh, okay. Going in, it was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Way faster than, than stitches. So I was like, yeah, no, just give me the staples. Yeah. Wait, super fast. Took them a couple of minutes and we were done. So it was, it was really nice. Man. So broken bones, no surgery. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, like, no. So crazy. I mean, I uh, met with the orthopedic surgeon in Phoenix when I was down in the hospital there. And he was going over all the injuries and kind of the nuances to all of them. Because you can break your scapula in a bunch of different places. You can break your pelvis in a bunch of different places. And he goes, hey, at tailbone, same thing. Ain't no healing that one. No, and he was like, um, you know, there's a couple of situations that we kind of assumed we'd have to go in and do surgery, but because nothing was displaced or broken too too badly, right. they were like, yeah, we don't have to do any surgery, so it's mostly just kind of heal on your own, which I much prefer over, like, especially shoulder surgery. And yeah. a lot of people who've had sh- shoulder surgery and doesn't always go super well. Right. Recovery's really rough, so... Um, I'm pretty grateful for that. Uh, and then it'll just be a bunch of PT, I'm sure, you know, uh, once I'm I'm moving around okay. Like I'm walking pretty well considering the injuries. and uh, But it's just getting back to like normalcy with the right. shoulder, with the, the walking and all that stuff. So I was funny. Your wife was in. And I was like, what shoulder was it? She's like, it's right one. I was like, oh, that's this bad one. It's been get, bad for years. <laughs> maybe they'll just get go in and get it fixed anyway. So I was like, this could be like something good. He's going to do PT now. He's going to yep. end up fixing that shoulder. I told her the same thing. I was like, actually, I could come out better than, than I was before after <laughs> the all this. $6 million dollar man. Oh, yeah. you probably don't remember yeah. that no, shoulder. No, like, man, that's fine. I mean, I know you were pretty like bummed about, I know mean, you just picked up golfing. So that probably is yeah, for a while. You know, a couple of things that are pretty incredible important to a golf swing would be your shoulder and your pelvis. So, yeah. you know, that's probably not going to go super well for the next uh, little bit. But it's also winter, right? So winter golf isn't that fun anyways. True. So hopefully by uh, late spring, early summer, we'll we back get in some, some summer golf in. And then climbing. I mean, obviously that's not a, you need that shoulder, running. I feel like. Ru- I mean, running in general, yes, but. Yeah, climbing's not happening for a while. I mean, yeah. that's going to be probably the, the four-month end of the spectrum of yeah. like, so there's, uh, that is the biggest bummer, right? It's like, you know, you, uh, I'm a fairly active person. Uh, Porter yeah. and I are always out. Courtney Porter and I are always outside. Uh, we're always, you know, riding bikes and doing that sort of thing. Right. So it's like, oh, now what are we doing? I just, I'm getting bored super quickly and all that. <laughs> so, um, and then the other big bummer is baseball season's coming up. I know. So uh, I was thinking about like, okay, like I can still coach, but I'm not going to be throwing a baseball. No, nope. can't demonstrate at all. Much. Yeah. Like, no. Uh, I can catch, you know, my, my left hand's left arm's good. I'll be able to throw a glove on and catch and all that. And, uh, I was like, oh man, baseball season's right around the corner. It is so. literally I got that email. Yeah. It's coming. It's like a couple of weeks. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. No. So yeah, but again, just super grateful. I know a bunch of you reached out and and we're checking in. And um, yeah, appreciate the prayers. Would pre- appreciate the uh, continued prayers for the recovery process. And uh yeah, over the next few months, hopefully we'll uh be back to some sort of normalcy. Yeah. So well, good deal. Very good. Cool. Awesome. That's a lot of banter. It was. is. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, but it saved me from telling the story a million times yesterday. So I appreciate that. Uh, speaking of yesterday, Ken, you're uh, with us today because you were in the hot seat yesterday uh, teaching our second message out of um, our series in the book of James. Third, sorry. Fourth. Fourth. Fourth Gosh. message. Yeah, I'm second, chapter. second chapter. Second chapter. That's what Fourth I was going message. for. There you go. Um, uh, and really, you know, leaning into... Uh, what James leans into, which is this idea of favoritism within the church and how does that display itself now? I loved your kind of clarification 
when we say favoritism, we're not really talking about preferences. We're talking about prejudice. Yes. Like it's not, it's not, you know, I like the bears, not the Vikings. Packers <laughs> or Vikings or whatever. It's no, these are, I treat people in a certain way because of what I know about them and what I see about them. Um, so loved, uh, you digging into that yesterday before we dig into any, we had a, a couple of questions and comments before any of that though. Um, what stood out to you as you were doing your study and, um, you know, what was compelling and convicting for kind of the state of the, the modern church? Well, from the beginning, right. When he says, don't be polluted by the world. And then he gives us the example, uh, or I'm sorry to, yeah, don't be polluted by the world. And then of all the things that he could have said that demonstrate and mm-hmm. something as simple it's showing favoritism, being discriminatory or prejudice, uh, making value judgments. Like, I couldn't believe that. And that's such a basic, uh, it's something we're all guilty of, right? So that really demonstrates our pollution of the world, or polluted by the world. And that's what really surprised me, all the things he didn't say. Because you think it'd be the low-hanging fruit, yeah. right? Sexual sin or yeah. All uh, of greed. what Paul says anytime he talks about being polluted right. by the right. world, because he mentions that a bunch of times. Yes, I mean. yes. That— yeah. It's something that it hits all of us yeah. at any demographic, any age. Uh, so that really leapt out at me and how easy it is to fall into that. Yeah, which would tell us something about the state. And I know you leaned into this a little bit, something about the state of the church that he was writing to, right? The people he was writing to. Yeah, and how it's amazing to me how baked into the culture that it was. Yep. Even when you go all the way back to Leviticus and God's like, yeah, don't do this. Don't yeah. show favoritism one way or the other. And yeah. yet here it is. And then even Peter's comment, you know, you know, it's against our law. Well, not really. Like yeah. we were, it was against the oral law. You know, they right. the oral law carried a lot of weight, but it's not in the written law. And how there is a command, you know, like I said, in the sermon, not to intermarry or don't form alliances, but what that grew into. Uh, and how often do we do that? Like we take some some statement, some command, and then we morph it into something else yeah. uh, that becomes binding and yep. and really binding. Like then, not just a binding word, but binding in our behavior and how we treat people or yeah. what we hold ourselves to that God never intended. Yeah, yeah, that's really good, Josh. What about you? Yeah, no, I think that was the the that theme right that we're all very much guilty of this. Um. Uh, and again, the example that was used, obviously it still matters. I think we still, we have those prejudices, um, rich and poor, all of us, right? Some one way or the other. But there's a ton of other ways, like you mentioned in there, that we do this, right? And some of them are snap judgments. Um, you know, just you see the person and you instantly think a certain thing. And then um, others are like, and we have some real deep-seated issues, right? Like yes. With stuff. And then again, James is talking about this, which is the important part is within the context of gathering together as a church. And that's where we get ourselves um, in trouble, so to speak, because we we bring those worldly judgments into the place of God, which they should be gone, right? And that's why he ends with this whole idea of judgment, because it's like, man, if we actually understood that we've been freed from the judgment that we should receive— how dare we judge anyone else and think they're out of, you know, outside of the realm of redemption, so to speak. Yes. Right. Like I'm, I know, and I understand how bad I am. Yeah. That person sitting next to me, like they're, they're capable of this free grace as well. Right. Like that's the, that's kind of the whole idea of it is. And so I I do love that we, we kept it within the church context. If somebody sitting next to you in the chair, right. Like how do we, 
you know, how do we do that? Because we say we don't want to do that, but we, a lot of times we do, yep. right? Sure. It's, it becomes automatic, yep. right? We make those snap judgments. Uh, we evaluate someone uh, based on all that, w- what we see, or maybe this brief conversation. Right. We don't know the person. Uh, and then we elevate ourselves yeah. above others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought it would have been good to flesh out the whole idea of mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. That would have been, but you just don't have time. You only have so much time. Yeah. Uh, how mercy, the, the, the mercy we're given through Jesus is going to triumph over the judgment that we should receive. Right. Like that's, I'm so thankful. Like yeah. I think about the whole idea of if you've broken one law, you're a lawbreaker. Done. You're guilty. Yeah. Like just done. And, but I'm not guilty because of, G- I am guilty, but I'm free to go yeah. because of Jesus. Right. Uh, and man, I, I want to treat everybody with that kind of uh, grace and mercy and, and help lead them to Jesus, yeah. regardless of where they're at. Right. Absolutely. And it totally, you know, it just helps us. It's another way of reminding us that at any time we get into a position to where we have a wrong or improper view of self, right? Mm-hmm. We start to make those judgments yeah. of, well, I'm not that bad. Gosh, you know, I can, <laughs> I've gotten myself here. And then we start putting more of the weight on ourselves rather than to your point, the fact that we understand, no, we are, we we have done horrible things, and it's but by the grace of Jesus that we are saved and that we get to be a part of this incredible thing. Um, and I just, yeah, it's it's a, such an important part of the conversation, I think, because anytime that starts to get sideways, this is just one of many areas that follows it right down the down the rabbit trail. Yep. You know, I think of what Paul he describes himself as the worst of sinners, mm-hmm. and that's a big statement. And I think of myself, I'm like, yeah, there's things that I don't do, but I know the things I think and feel. And I'll yeah. have that, like, man, I'm the worst. Like, yeah. I don't, because I see what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's who I need to compare myself. He's the standard. Yeah. And I'll compare myself to, you know, somebody who lives with no regard for Jesus. Like, oh, I'm not that bad. Well, okay, fine. I'm not that bad. I'm worse because I know better. Right. Like, I don't do mm-hmm. those things, but I know what's in my mind and in my heart. Yeah. And I'm guilty and I need to be And I washed. think that was Paul, because you I mean, we think about Paul, I mean, he was a Pharisee. So, man, he wasn't breaking rules. Right. Like, I mean, when we think about, yeah. like, when he makes that comment, it's not like he was, like, cheating on his wife or, you know, stealing. Like, he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Right. As like, say, is faultless. His obedience faultless, to the law is faultless. Yet he claims that he is the worst of sinners. Because you're right. When put in, in perspective of, man, how guilty I am of, of the heart issue, which Jesus always talked about, right? That's what he can make that claim. Like, outwardly, you would be shocked probably by how righteous he actually lived. But yes. he realized that that righteousness was not even close to enough. Yeah. Right? And that's yeah. the place that we, if we can all just sit there, then I'm least likely or less likely to uh, to judge others. Yeah. Right? Yes. When I really have that perspective, and again, it's having my mind changed by Christ and not being polluted by the world. Like, that's the whole point. The Our worldly standards of excellence pollute what, God deems is worthy and valuable and and all of that. And, it, and that's what really messes us up. And so I know yeah. you were going to talk a little bit about that because um, we couldn't get yeah, into that. Yeah, we just couldn't get to yeah. it. I had to cut it. You yeah. know, yeah. I was at like 3,200 words, 3,100 words. I'm like, okay, this, I need a, I need room for yeah. 35 minutes. So yeah. that had to go. Uh, so what is the world? Uh, so 
Paul talks about. So Ephesians 2, 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 4 are places uh, that you can go. So let's see. Uh, I can, which one do I want to read first? I got a couple open on. So here's 1 Peter. This is chapter 2. He talks about you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life, right? So there's this, there's a distinction made. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, he talks, he keeps on going. I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war among against your soul, right? That this, like there's this clear distinction uh, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. So they may see your good deeds, that you would live differently. Uh, let's see, chapter four, he talks about something similar. Let's see. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in his body is done with sin. So, I'm done with it. I'm coming out of the world, right? Uh, As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. You have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Think about our culture. You hear those passages, right? You think of pornography is like the biggest moneymaker. Internet traffic is over, I think 60% of all internet traffic is related to pornography. So there's your debauchery and your lust. Drunkenness, that's, you mentioned Vegas, holy cow. (laughs) That's the the drunkenness, orgies, group sin, right? Detestable idolatry. Idolatry, okay, we think of, uh, like a, a figurine that we would uh-huh. bow down. That's silly. But what do we bow down to? To our 87-inch LCD TV that takes our time and it's, it's our news feed, it's our sports feed, it's our, and it affects us emotionally, right? If like our team wins, our team loses, and that affects us emotionally, right? It becomes idolatrous. I, I'm looking, my stock portfolio is, there's idolatry. It affects yeah, yeah. me. It's 100%. more important. So we do that. And I think those are distinctions that we should come out of. When we come out of that, we don't, we're not that way anymore. And that's some of the, like, we kind of talked about this a little bit because I think sometimes we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're not being polluted by the world because whatever Certainly. we're listening yeah. to or the news we're receiving is the good news. It's the right, mean, one. The yes, right the one. The right one. And it's like, nah, man, we're all just those very simple things you mentioned. We're all being polluted, right? All 100%. Of, every day if we're not careful. And so it's, it's how do we make sure that our minds are focused more on Christ and more on the things that he calls us instead of what the world says to pursue after. Yeah, that's really good. So then did you have something else on that, Ken? I was just going to say, that's why it's so important, I think, to spend time in the word Yeah, and then to spend time serving people uh-huh. like that Jesus calls us to serve, right? Like the, yeah. to go out of our way for the downtrodden or whoever, yeah. or to tell, to tell our neighbor to help serve someone, yeah. like to actually do it, not just read it, yeah. but do it. And then, yeah, so that's I was going to segue us into right if we um, understand the influence of the world in our lives and and want to try to shift that right because I'm thinking about the people sitting in the seats yesterday that 
had some sort of level of conviction around this. And hopefully that was a bunch of us, right? Hopefully a lot of us heard the thing about the California refugees. And, <laughs> oh yeah, I've made a comment that was less than hospitable to someone that just moved here, right? Yeah, right. Now I feel convicted about that. So how do we how do we begin to shift to that? And to your point, um, you just mentioned something about service. It's really, really easy uh, to hold tight onto and even sometimes justify your your biased or your prejudice to put people into a box when you're not ever in a position of relationship with anyone like them. That's right. Or anyone that has experienced the things they've experienced. And I look at service and, and relationship and just putting yourselves in positions where you're around people that aren't like you, that don't think the way that you think or look the way that you look as one of the most, again, for me, it's one, one of the things that I'm teaching our son even of like, hey, like surround yourself with people that are diverse, that, that aren't just like you and have the background that you have um, because they are all people made in the image of the one true God. That's right. Like they are all people who he loves and is, is calling to repentance. And um, it's just really easy to hang on to and justify some of those prejudices when you aren't ever putting yourself around um, people and making it real and bringing humanity to the person that's sitting next to you that you're making all of these snap judgments and assumptions about. Um, so that was one of the things that stood out to me in the messages. Like, how can we do a better job of that? How can I do a better job of of that so that it's more real? Sure. Right? When someone sits down next to me, it's it's a real person. There is humanity surrounding them, and I, you know, I feel a little bit more compelled to have a softer heart rather than just jump to a snap judgment. Well, I think the term you used, you said, tell Porter to be around people of diversity. And that's every type of diversity, right? Social, economic, racial, religious. So you can understand where someone else is coming from. Mm -hmm. And then when you have that relationship with people who are different than you in various ways, uh, it is easier to extend mercy uh, to, to all kinds of people. So, and so then how do we... How do we do that? How do we get around? I think it's harder in Prescott because Prescott is largely a retirement community. People, So you, if you've come and retired in Prescott, you've done something right uh, along the way financially, sure, right? Sure. You've made you know, good decisions financially. So it's easy to be insulated, not, not certainly intentionally, yeah. but it's just the, the types of communities develop, yeah. right? Uh, affluent communities or more poor communities. They develop because I can afford to live in this neighborhood or that neighborhood. Uh, so we do have to go out of our way. I think of the community meals piece that happens here on Tuesday nights. Yeah. That's a way to to get around people of different stripes and types. Yeah. To yeah. And then have compassion. And even uh, that, like we were, I was really intentional to change the name because it was, everybody go, oh, for the homeless. Like, no, man, it's just for community. People. Like I have people who are very have done great and are now widows or maybe single and they just are lonely and isolated. They don't want that anymore. They want people, Mm -hmm. right? They want community. Now, yes, do we serve some people who do fall into the lower income brackets? Yes, absolutely, of course. But honestly, like the goal is, is this that we put ourselves around tables and start having conversations and we remember the humanity of all people because everybody has a story, right? And when you begin to hear that, it's, it is then becomes harder to make the snap judgment when I see someone maybe in a similar way because I go, oh, well, maybe their story is like my friend Bob who is telling me all the things that happened. My goodness, I can't believe Bob is 
just still making it, I would have given right. up. I like, yeah, I would have yeah, quit, yeah. right? Like, and so, like, you know, it, but it's like, it's, so every time I, somebody says, oh, yeah, yeah you know, you serve a home. I was like, no, we, we serve a ton of people. Yeah. Like, we just serve people and we just hang out with people. And it's just trying to dispel that, the stigma kind of around it, right? Like, 100%. that's the, again, it's the whole goal is know people's story, right? And when I know your story, I can, it helps me to just offer more grace. And because I go, wow, man, that's okay, cool. Like, I, I wouldn't have known that. Like, yeah. And for yeah. very few people, does that happen naturally? I think that's the other thing right. worth stating. Like, yeah. humans are tribalists. Largely. They have yeah. a large tribalist Absolutely. We want to surround ourselves with people that we resonate with, that 100%. understand us, sure. that came from different backgrounds. I grew up in Chicago. Um, and a very real, if you go to any, you know, pr- uh, you know, what I know is Midwestern city, but... I'm sure this is the same on the East Coast, maybe even on the West Coast also. But you go to the city and you'll start talking to people that are multi-generationalists in the city of Chicago. And it's like, yeah, we were on this cross street because that's the Polish community or the German community or the Italian community or the Chinese community. And it's like, literally, we have segregated ourselves in this intentionally because these are the people that we resonate with. Like that is human nature for us. And even if we move across the country and... Uh, you know, we find ourselves retiring in Prescott or, or moving our family here because of the quality of life. We still have this natural tendency to surround ourselves with people that we resonate. And that inherently, I don't think it's a bad thing. No, but not at all. when we are unwilling to uh, broaden our perspective and engage with people that are different than us, then I think it can become really dangerous. Like it feels very uncomfortable to go do those things. Um, but I think there's so much power within within this context of just having a better understanding of the community that we live it, uh, with and the the people that are joining us in our faith community even, right? Sitting next to us as church and uh, part of our life group and all of that stuff. Um, it, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, but it is the thing that helps us take positive steps within this concept of our own personal judgments. Well, and there's the distinction between the world and the kingdom of God, yeah. right? All different types. This one guy came to Pastor's Point. He's like, thank you, man. I'm from California, and I have the face tattoo. Like, it was up his <laughs> neck and onto his face. And he's like, and I love being here. We've yeah. been here a few months. Yeah. Like, that's th- there's people that that touches, and the kingdom needs to be different than the world. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, well, let's move to a question that we got in um, that's not necessarily in relation to the heart of the message, but more something that you hit on, Ken, um, when you hit on some of the reasons that we don't, uh, some of the reasons that oftentimes we can show judgment within the local church. So here's okay. a question from Scott. He says, thanks again for the reminder of uh, showing respect, kindness, and understanding to those whom we disagree with from a political standpoint. I 100% agree with that. Uh, here's the question. There are clearly two distinct and different understandings of political issues within our two-party system of politics in this country. Uh, I believe that we need to be involved in the political process as a follower of Christ, and I believe that we need to vote with a uh, biblical worldview in mind. That said, the political parties are light years apart on the issues of sanctity of life, on the issues of uh, bio- biological men and women being created in the image of God, among among other issues. So here's really where the question comes in. Okay, why does Quad City not encourage its members to vote with a uh, 
biblical worldview in mind and support the candidates who most clearly align with that biblical worldview and to take uh, our responsibility of being citizens in this country seriously and to vote when there is an election. Not something uh, that should be addressed from the platform every Sunday, but something that could be addressed when there's a major election every two to four years. So why don't we? I think that's really, uh, I would say, well, the the two parties, that's really the role of those parties is to promote their perspective and to get out the vote. So that that's who should do that. Uh, I would say in our community, like I said, the Yavapai County at large is very socially and politically conservative and we're older. So those people that are participating are already doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most of the people that come here uh, to our community, not necessarily the church community itself, uh, they're already doing that. And I don't think we need to necessarily promote that. Let the parties do that. And we want to promote the kingdom and promote Jesus. Yeah. Because we only get so much time. So, and every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. And so let's give the airtime to Jesus and his priorities. Oh. 100%. Yeah. Our mission is to make more and better disciples of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Our mission is in <clears throat> political alignment. Uh, and we kind of talk about this a little bit in our discovering class. We do. We kind of say this out loud just for new people. We say, hey, like we try to be focused on the things that Jesus was passionate about, right? If we just focused on those, right? Serving others, loving our enemy, uh, caring for widows and orphans, uh, the sheep and the goats, you know, being generous. Like if we just did those, we'd be busy for a lifetime, right? <laughs> right. So like we are very intentional. Jason is very intentional with what he communicates from uh, the platform, right? And we, again, try, like you said, try to keep the main thing the main thing. 100%. Again, it doesn't mean that we don't have conversations or issues, but our hope is is that as we talk about the truth of God and we begin to be obedient to the truth of God, I think our, our desire is, our hope for doing that, is then we would become better followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. i.e. then we would begin to run things through the lens of what God would require of us, right? And so um, I I think we start with the actual front end goal that would then trickle down into everything else, not the, hey, we need to be about this party and then here's all the biblical support for it. It's actually probably the opposite. It's like, hey, here's what God's word says. We don't mince words about that. We do talk about it pretty regularly. Like it's in our statement of faith, all of those issues specifically. Yes. Right. And then we believe as we tease that, that will impact how people view and make decisions. I, yeah, I, yes. I think that's our hope. And if you're making the decision to vote, then of course yeah. you should be running it through the filter of your right. own personal beliefs. I also just, I mean, to Ken's point, um, especially where we are, like where we as a church are called to serve our community. Um, I don't know that people really need all that much help. <laughs> Probably not. From uh, Right. It's, From I us. think they're already pretty active. Yeah. 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 Um, so Scott, you can say I'm wrong. That's fine. We can, we can chat more about it. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, but honestly, yeah, just, um, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing for us is making disciples of Jesus. That's yeah. what we're going to run after. Um, there are lots of churches. Again, lots of you probably came from a church that lean in way heavier to yeah. the political stuff. And you might be a little bit more used to that and that's okay. Uh, but we're, we're pretty open to the fact that we're, that's just not who we are. Yeah, no. and what typically drives the conversation is our text, right? Not the yeah. calendar, not that it's an election year. Or sure. I mean, there are times where we'll talk about a current event. I think when there was that awful shooting in Vegas, yeah. uh, and then we prayed with in Israel when the it all— uh, with Gaza and we, you know, but it's what are we talking about? What's the text say? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, and I mean, to your point— Ken, um, if we want to talk about what's probably one of the most significant political issues of our generation, it's 
division, divisiveness, right? Sure. People strife and wow. anger and all of the emotions and actions that are being born out of how deeply we care about our political agenda. Like we've talked about all those things in the last nine months, actually. True. You know, so all of the no. negative byproducts that actually are the hard issue, right? We're going to talk about those things all day long because those are the things that we're called to in the texts that we're studying um, rebuke and correct and uh, coach in. So I think it's Stanley's book, right? The recently the in it to win it, right? Like that's our mindset when we come into this. And like his context obviously is Atlanta, which is a di- obviously a much much different context in Prescott, uh, Arizona for yeah. sure. But like as believers, like it's that's not our mindset. We're not in it to win it in an election, yeah. right? We're like, man, I have a role as a dad to disciple my kids and to speak the truth and to tell them the things. And what I've learned is, is like that doesn't change whoever's in there, right? Because right. there's stuff as the church that they're, they're, that the government's never going to get right um, because they have biases and the things that they do and all that. But as a believer who is trying to follow the word and raise kids, it, it is. And so we're, we do have these conversations. And, we, yeah. and that's what our hope is, is that we're discipling our kids at home and making them have these uh, conversations. And hopefully you're doing that in your, in your life groups. We're not becoming divisive. That is a very important thing. But we are able to have yeah. discussion to, and that it always goes back to, man, what does God's word say? against everything, not just the things we think are right or the groups that we think are right, but are we able to speak truth to power on both sides, right? And just have that honest conversation. And then again, if you're a person who votes, you can do all that homework. Like you said, you probably already know it anyways, right? Like, um, yeah, 100%. And the reality, right, is that like your voting preferences and and, uh, agendas are one of many ways that you may display your discipleship, right? Because as we become better disciples of Jesus, um, we should care more about the sanctity of life. We should be more engaged um, in our community and the health and uh, uh, wealth gap in our community. We should care more about social justice and civil rights and all of these things. Education, like these are things that we should care more about as we deepen our relationship. But voting is one of what are many, many ways that we can actually display our care for those things. Right. So yeah, agreed. Yeah. Just, yeah. And again, it's just a it's such a dynamite of an issue. Right? It is. Like it is like you it's like you drop it in and just watch things explode. <laughs> right. Again, um, because we don't humbly come in, we come in with our prejudices. I think that's what this is. We, we can't bear help it. it. We just come in with our thing and you say one thing and it's like explosion time. And again, to your point, you were talking about sports, it's like for some this has become an idol, yeah. right? And it when challenged or talked about, it becomes way too big a thing that is not honoring, and we say things and do things. And like you said, it, it it's built that way, it feels like lately, that it wants to be divisive. And because it's so fringe now, because the fars are far away, it yes. feels like, I feel like those of us, at least myself, stuck in the middle is like, oh, thieves. The, you know, I'm just like, man, but both of just we're just yelling at each other all the, all the time. Yeah, we can't even have a conversation anymore, yeah. like a real conversation about, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. Or, man, that's a really good point. It's you're wrong and you're a horrible person 
if you don't <laughs> right. believe what I believe. Yes. Yeah. So and, that's the danger. And there's that's the difference between the world yep. and the kingdom. Oh. Right. Then that we should be able to have conversations. Yeah. And the the more division for the wor- the ways of the world, oh. the better. Let's bring Jesus to the fore. Let's keep the main thing the main, the main thing, thing. The main thing. Yep. And again, to our point of the sermon, it was you probably are sitting next to folks in in your whichever service you're in of one of five that probably view very differently. Now there's probably a lot of similarity, but there's some yeah. things I guarantee. And so are you if are you just as welcoming? Like if they yeah. wore it out on their t-shirt, are yeah. you just as, you know, just as welcoming? Again, as we we tease about the Californians that they I heard somebody literally talking about it yesterday. They're like, yeah, as long as they don't bring their beliefs over here, they can come. And I was like, hey, should we be saying that in the church? Like yeah. that you can't come? Like, I'm like, I don't, we probably shouldn't say that. Um, I don't think they had made it into the message yet. It must've been a pre-message maybe. But, <laughs> but again, it's like, man, those are the things that are convicting for all of us to go, man, if that's how I'm judged, then I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, thank, like you said, thank goodness for Jesus yeah. like, that I stand judged, but he <laughs> offers mercy. That should just be more of our mindset and then when we go into those conversations, we can go, hey, is this a salvation issue? It's got back to the Roman. Yeah. Undisputed or undisputed, open-handed, open-handed yeah. closed-hand. Like, but we've made some of these things really closed-hand. And I think that's where it gets ourselves in trouble in the, you know, in the church. It feels like for a while, closed-hand was like, nope, California can't come in. You know, it's like, <laughs> man, we got to open that hand a little bit. I think we can have some really good conversations. Because there's a lot of you guys who are great from California. Yeah, we love you all. We're yeah, glad that you're here. Yes. I'm from the South. Like, I can't believe we don't get more judgment. Like, we did not do things right for a pretty big stretch of our country. Like, we we didn't make great decisions, y'all. Like, we weren't killing it, but it's like we got the pass. It's like, oh, they're fine. You know, but I'm like, Shoo. I lived in Louisiana. There's a, could be a lot of judgment there. <laughs> different oh, LA. Yeah, different, different LA. LA. That's true. That is so funny. Well, uh, yeah, I love that. I, man, I just think... Um, you know, application for the message, right? What do we do with the thing that we're trying to learn around judgment and prejudices? And um, it, what keeps coming back to my own mind is for sure like uh, proximity. How do we get in proximity oh. with people that are way different than we are? I think we all get better when we do that. Um, but then the other piece is just how do we die to ourselves and die to mm-hmm. our own preferences and our own uh, understand, be willing to kill the pride in us that has created some of these prejudices and, mm-hmm. and die to that. As well, any other kind of uh, landing? Well, I was just going to say, words? you know, that's why we are real intentional about how we structure our groups here, like multi-generational, oh, multi-views. Like, and I know everybody wants to be a tribe of all right, married couples. No, ki- yeah, like, and I get it; it does make things easier, but like, it doesn't help us because then I do, yeah, I miss out on those perspectives if I'm not like rubbing shoulders. And that's why, again, so when you think through our life groups, that's why we try to have them as different because we get this question all the time. They want the very specific life group or even the discipleship group for my age group in my life stage. Yep. And while that can be helpful, it also is not, like it can be not helpful. It's limiting. It's for very sure. limiting. Because again, I, I tell you all the time, I, I actually don't want to hang out with a bunch of people with toddlers. Like, yeah. they already, I know you know me because we're all struggling <laughs> together. I need Ken who's on the back end, right? Who's got the te- the teenagers who are going off to school. Like, man, it, it actually this has been a sweet time for our family, yeah. right? Like, I need that. I, I I need also the 60-year-old who's been doing faith for 40 years to tell me following after Jesus and giving and being generous is so worth it. So as a church, we we do that too with our group life. Like, we, yeah. we go, oh, I only want to hang out this 
style group. And I'm like, man, we we are really intentional even how we structure it. We just okay. try to structure it by neighborhood, which then does lead a lot of times to the very similar people. But man, don't don't limit your your group, even if you're a group leader listening to this, man. Open it up to differing perspectives yeah. and people. That will you can that's the uh-huh. best way to bring in proximity. Yeah. That yeah. is really, really good. I um I'm not sure that I've shared this story on the podcast, but um it, it's quick. There was a season when I was um attending at uh, CCB down in Phoenix. It was at the Surprise Campus, Far West Valley. And, right, you know, part of the city of Surprise is Sun City. Grant is, is this big retirement community and a bunch of other uh, retirement communities in that area. And I remember when I uh, signed up for a neighborhood group is what they call kind of their life group models. I just so happened to get placed in this group in Sun City. So I show up for the first time and I was 18, 17 or 18 years old, I wow. think, 18, 19 maybe. And uh, I walk into this person's house and obviously like in this retirement community and I start meeting these people who are 45, 50, 55 years older than me. And I realize, like, oh, I'm the only one here that's not, you know, in this stage <laughs> of life. And not only was it one of the most transformative group experiences I've ever had for myself, but I could also see how having diversity of thought and age in this group. I was their grandkids' age, right? Yeah. Like literally yeah. they had grandkids my age. Yep. It was so fun for them to be able to share in some of that, you know, differing perspectives and yep. differing stuff. So it was such a beautiful uh, example of exactly what I think we're talking about. So, yep. man, when we're okay getting uncomfortable, that wasn't like awesome for me. Yeah. <laughs> Walking in for the first time realizing, oh, I'm the only one, like originally. But these are relationships that have been such a blessing to me yeah. in my life. and. Yep. Um, some lessons that I'll never forget yep. and incredible experiences for me. So if you're willing to push through that little bit of uncomfort, discomfort, um, I think God really uh, blesses uh, you in the midst of that. I agree, so, man, definitely. It's great. No, I got nothing to add. I think it's all been said. So. Yeah, good. Yep. Love awesome. that. Well, thank you guys. Uh, appreciate you joining us and we'll um, talk again real soon.